Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Welcome in. This is Bink Sunday here on 610 Sports Radio, 610sports.com. My name is Chris Unocero, and that was a cheap shot by Dusty Likens at the end of uh, Fantasy Football Sunday, taking a shot at my Florida Gators. That one still hurts. I I said this on, on Twitter, I think after the first quarter of the game, that if, uh, if, Samson plays that game competitively with Florida that Dan Mullen, the head coach for for the Gators, should be fired. They did play them competitive for most of that game. Like the second half, things kind of chilled out and uh, and Florida was able to get to 70 and and win by by three scores, but that still was embarrassing. So way to twist the knife, Dusty Likin. At least my Florida Gators are are back to 500, but yeah, that that was embarrassing. Uh, he couldn't even name that we were we were talking before the show and he couldn't even name the uh, he couldn't even he couldn't even name the, the school that, that Florida played against the Samford, but he kept calling them Samson or Samuel. So that that adds to the embarrassment even more because we can't even name the, the school that uh, that Florida almost lost to. And then another big college news. The Kansas Jayhawks go out there and probably Probably in Steve Sarkeesian's very short tenure at, at Texas by beating the Longhorns in Austin. That had to hurt. I know as a, a K-State fan, Grant Nicholson, who's my, my producer, I know that had to feel good seeing. I had, I had to hurt a little bit seeing Kansas go out there and get a big win like that against Texas. It doesn't hurt at all. This it doesn't is one hurt of the at all. few instances where you're rooting for them just because Texas like sucks so much. Yeah. You you kind of happy because Texas is going to leave the, the yeah, Big just, Twelve and hurt the conference? Honestly, just because it's funny. Yeah. Because KU is still bad enough that everyone's like, oh, they beat Texas. They actually Texas they actually lost. looked they looked like a good team last night. Like I was like the the first touchdown, I was like, okay, that's just college football happening. That's parody happening a little bit. And then it was like twenty one to seven, I think. Or 21-14. And the next thing you know, they scored two touchdowns real quick at the end of the half. And I'm like, oh, no, Kansas is about to pull this off. Kansas is about to win this game. This was I was very surprised by that result. But, hey, 
kudos to Kansas. That is their that is their national championship game. That is their Super Bowl. That is one of the biggest wins that we've seen from Kansas in in a long time now. They I mean think about it. They almost beat Oklahoma earlier this year, which would have been massive, would have been bigger than them beating Texas. But then they also beat Texas on the road. Like that's a huge win for Kansas. And on top of that, it's a, it's a real good F you to, to Texas and Oklahoma who are going to damage the big 12 conference by dipping for the sec. I saw a stat somewhere where KU is like two and three against Texas in the last five years. That's amazing too. two and 43 against everyone else in the conference. Man. That's amazing. If they play Texas all the time, they might actually have a pretty good record. That's that is amazing, and that kind of hurts the value of Texas because I th- I mean at this point you'd think that Texas is going to have to have a new coach after this season. You can't you can't lose to Kansas in your first year as a coach if you're Steve Sarkeesian. When you were a team that looked like you were you were going to be a competitor in the Big Twelve earlier this year, and now you're you're in a tough spot. Sarkeesian probably not going to last after this offseason. You think it's done after one year? Yes, yes. Look, no those, way. those Texas boosters, they don't play around, man. They do not play around. And you take a you take an L like they did against Kansas. They'll, the, those boosters, ain't go, they'll buy him out of that contract with the quickness. They don't play around in Texas. They, are, they have inflated egos about their football program. I would be so shocked if they fired him. I mean, they're not going to fire him now. But at the end of this season, no especially way. if they take another L, like, there's no way you can keep Sarkeesian after this year. <laughs> Not after you lose to Kansas and you lose all these other games. No, like, I, I, I understand it would seem a little preemptive because it's one year and you know how it is in, in, in sports. Like, one year, it's hard to turn a team around. But you lose to Kansas like that and you lose all the games that, that Texas has lost this year. Yeah, you, you, can't, you can't keep your coach. Sarkeesian was already a risky hire to begin with because of what happened when he was at USC. So I, I, I understand the people doubting it, but I, I think you got to fire him. I think he's, he's, he's a goner after this, this off season. So I big matchup tonight for the Kansas city chiefs, our hometown team, Sunday night football in Vegas against the vaunted Las Vegas Raiders, which is still weird to say Vegas. Um, the big story we've heard all week is how do the Chiefs fix their offense? Because that's really the only issue I think we're looking at right now is as being a big problem for them. You look at their defense, and it, their defense has actually been playing pretty damn good the last month or so. They they looked really good last week um, against the Packers team that, frankly, you know, without Aaron Rodgers, they do not have a quarterback. I mean. Uh, I'll tell you this. Aaron Rodgers had to be pumping his unvaccinated fist watching that game against the the when they were playing against the Chiefs as Jordan Love just struggled to look like an NFL quarterback. Like he struggled to look like an NFL quarterback last Sunday. And Aaron Rodgers had to feel good because he knows that when he throws up those two fingers and pieces out of Green Bay, he's leaving them high and dry and Matt LaFleur and Brian Gutekunst are not going to last long there. If unless they find another quarterback, not gonna last long. He had to feel pretty damn good about that game. But the defense still played well. If not for Dan Sorensen doing Dan Sorensen things, they might have shut out that Packers offense with Devontae Adams and Aaron Jones, who are are two great players at their respective positions. 
might have been a shutout for a defense that has been very much maligned this year. Been very much a problem for this team this year. And then you you look at other matchups. They played well against Washington. Again, Washington's quarterback situation, not that good. Um, they played well against the Giants. And, you know, Daniel Jones, not that good of a quarterback. But, you know, he's, he's a guy that, that has shown some flashes of being a decent quarterback. He's shown some flashes of moving the ball around. Um, unfortunately for him, he doesn't have the support right now because he had so many injuries. But still, 17 points in the NFL, especially in today's NFL where the average team is allowing 24 a game, is pretty good. Like, you'll take that from a defense uh, the caliber of what we many of us believe the Chiefs defense is. But the offense is a major problem still for this team. And so now you've got all these solutions being tossed out there. How do we fix the Chiefs offense? And the number one solution I think has, has gained the most traction is run the football. Chiefs got to run the football. They got to they gotta hand the ball off and they got to play old school football. And I understand why people would believe that because, hey, you know, there's a lot of people in Chiefs Kingdom that are like my age or older who grew up watching this team in the 90s, grew up watching this team in the early 2000s. Some of y'all watched it in the 80s, 70s. Some of y'all were alive and saw the, the Chiefs win their first Super Bowl. And so you see a method that the Chiefs have been successful in the past and you want to apply it to modern times. Run the football. That's what you're hearing people say all over. Troy Eggman said it during the, the broadcast of the, of the Chiefs-Packers game last Sunday. He also said that Dan Sorensen is in a slump. So I don't know how much you can really put, how much stock you can put into what he's saying because anybody who thinks that Dan Sorensen is in a slump does not watch Dan Sorensen play football. Uh, he's playing like Dan Sorensen. And so now... It's kind of become this mantra from a lot of the fan base. Chiefs got to run the football. They got to they got to slow it down. They got to control the clock, and they got to pound the rock. Hand it off to Derek Gore, you know. Hand it off to uh, to um, Daryl Williams or or to Jarek McKinnon. All these different people saying that the Chiefs have to run the football. I don't agree with it though. Now I. I know that uh, CDOT from the drive has said that the, the Chiefs have to run the football more effectively. And, and he does. He, it, that is a good point. The way that they've been running the football hasn't been very effective. And if they were to, to be smarter about how they run the football, maybe that changes their fortunes a bit on offense. But I think that the issue with the Chiefs is that you can't use an outdated solution for modern problems. Modern problems require modern solutions. Defenses are playing you ultra conservatively right now. Two safeties playing back deep zone, and then they're just trying to keep everything in front of them. And what the Chiefs are doing is they're still trying to run the same offense that they've been running the last couple years. Let's just, I mean, basically it's the equivalent to, it's the football equivalent to you're playing rock, paper, scissors, and you just keep throwing rock every time and you expect that your opponent sometimes is going to throw scissors out there and you'll win. That's what they're doing. They keep running the same strategy and teams week after week have shown that they've figured that strategy out. They know how to stop it. You got to do something else. And the chiefs are not doing something else. 
And that's why I think that they've had their issues on offense. But I don't think running the football is going to be the solution. Why? Because the Chiefs aren't built for it. Yeah, Clyde Edwards-Alaire is averaging like, what, 4.6, 4.7 yards per carry? Almost five. Pretty damn good yards per carry average. And you hope that, you know, when he comes back and he's healthy and and he's able to, to get the carries that he was getting before his injury, that he'll be effective again in the running game and he'll help kind of loosen things up in the passing game. But Clyde can't be the focus of this offense as a runner. And the reason why is because your you, your scheme is not built for you to get in the trenches and just run the football. You got Tyreek Hill, you got Travis Kelsey, and those guys are better suited catching the football and running after the catch, not sitting there and trying to block for guys so as they for a running back as he tries to turn a corner or go between the tackles for a few yards. This Chiefs offense is built to take chunks out of the defense. Not to sit there for 13 plays and just play ball control and keep the opposing team's offense on the sidelines. They don't play that way. Their offensive line is not built that way. They're not built to just overpower opposing teams' defensive lines. Their offense is set up for them to be able to move the ball through the air. And Andy Reid, at no point in his career, has ever really built an offense that was solely that their main win condition, their main way of moving the ball down the field was by running the football. Even during the Alex Smith years, they were still using short passing game to open things up for for their offense and to move the ball down the field. And that's where the solution comes. If the Chiefs want to fix their issues with their deep passing game, they got to shorten the offense up. You got to take what the defense has given you. The defense is just sitting there watching you as you try to throw the ball over their heads. And these guys are like, okay, well, this is easy. You know, if, if they're going to just try to throw it and force the ball into, into our zone coverage and we've got all these guys sitting back deep, we'll take that. It was the same thing in like, both Super Bowls. The Chiefs had issues because teams were playing them deep zone and they were just trying to take more from the defense than the defense was willing to give them. The Chiefs have to take what the defense is giving them and force that defense to be more aggressive. Force them to have to to try and get extra pressure on Mahomes. Right now, Mahomes is playing very well when when he is able to just get the ball and get it out real quick. He doesn't have to sit there and think. He doesn't have to go through a ton of progressions. He's getting the ball out real quick. Shorten your offense up. Like early last season, to me, was the best like that, that game against Houston and the game against um, against the Bills. That to me, the way that they throw the football, they threw the football in those games. To me, that's how you do it. Yeah, they ran the football well in those games too, but the reason why they were able to do it was because of their passing game. Because nobody in those two game in those games, the neither defensive coordinator expected them to run the football as much as they did because they were so afraid of the passing game. But if teams don't respect the passing game and don't think that the passing game is a threat, then the running game isn't going to be a threat for the Chiefs either. Because then they're going to be like, oh, well, they're just going to run it on this down. We'll just sell out on the run, and then we'll just play safe on the passing downs. And that's what teams are doing. If the Chiefs are going to fix their offense, they've got to shorten their passing game up. 
They've got to come up with some more plays to get the ball out of Mahomes' hands quick and not force him to have to go through a bunch of progressions while, while defenders just sit there and watch his eyes. Because that's what they're doing. They're just playing back, and they're just watching his eyes. And if you look at a lot of people who are breaking down and watching film, they're saying that Mahomes is missing guys who are wide open because he's trying to force the ball to guys. Can't do that. Like, he's missing Travis Kelsey short because he's looking down the field for Tyreek Hill. He's got to go get Travis Kelsey short. He's got to go hit Clyde short or any of his running back short. They've got to call more screen passes. I, you remember if back in 2014, 2015, we all hated those damn screen passes to wide receivers. You know, every time that they, they draw back, you'd see Dwayne Bowe catch a, a ball in the flats and then try to go get five, six yards. We hated those days. Chiefs going to have to get back to that. They're going to have to do that because it's going to force teams to have to come up and defend them short. And it's going to get the ball into the hands of the playmakers who are really good after the catch. Travis Kelsey, great after the catch. One of the reasons why he's the best tight end in the league. Tyreek Hill, great after the catch. One of the reasons why he's probably second best receiver in the league, third best, depending on where you rate him. His ability to run after the catch makes him so dangerous. McCall Hardman, when he can catch the football, is incredibly dangerous after the catch. That's what they need to do. They need to get the ball to these guys quick and force defenders to come up and have to actually defend them instead of just sitting back and playing safe. Because that's what teams are doing now. They're just playing to the sticks, and they're just like, hey, they're not going to throw underneath. They're going to try to throw for 12, 15 yards every time, and we're just going to force Mahomes to have to sit back in the pocket and wait until our pass rush gets there. They don't need to do that anymore. Just shorten your offense up. You do that, I think it makes things easier. And then they could run the football. They could run the football because teams are going to be more aggressive in the passing game. And then they can catch teams off guard with RPOs and things like that. But if you're just going to play teams short, if you're if, if teams are just going to play you like you're going to you're going to throw deep, it's going to make it harder for you if you keep trying to throw down the field. And I think that's how you open things up in the in the passing game down the field. Those big plays will come. That's the reason why the Chiefs offense isn't as effective as they've been is cuz teams are defending the big play. If you remember in that Tampa game last year during the regular season, Chiefs got a lot of big plays, scored a lot of points early. Then Tampa dropped back, started playing two two deep safeties, kept everything in front of them. Chiefs struggled to score points after that. That is when the Chiefs offense needs to shorten it up and force teams to have to defend them. And they're not doing that. Right now, they keep throwing rock. Every time they're playing rock, paper, scissors, and the opponent just just knows, hey, as long as I throw paper, I'm good to go. Coming up next, I tell you why tonight's game between the Chiefs and the Raiders is easily the most important game we've seen during Andy Reid's tenure as Kansas City Chiefs. You're listening to Bink Sunday on your official broadcast partner of the Kansas City Chiefs, 610 Sports Radio. Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? 
Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Hey, Rob Bradford here. I have set out on a mission with my good friends at FanDuel to prove what I have known for some time. Baseball isn't boring. Now I have a daily podcast to prove it with some of the most notable people in the baseball world screaming baseball isn't boring from the mountaintops or at least agreeing to come on our show. Players, managers, GMs, and yes, even the commissioner of baseball, Rob Manfred. It has been a constant wave of baseball's most powerful voices. So join the revolution. Subscribe and soak in baseball isn't boring. Listen on your Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcast. You'll be glad you did. want to start out this segment by wishing a happy birthday to Hall of Fame announcer Denny Matthews turned 79 today still going strong even though he's uh been in the booth was it now like over 50 years now still keeping it strong though happy birthday to a uh, Hall of Fame broadcaster and uh, great voice of the Royals, <laughs> still to this day, voice of the Royals, uh, Denny Matthews. So I want to talk about tonight's game between the Chiefs and the Raiders, Sunday Night Football. And I think that this is probably the most important matchup that the Chiefs and Raiders have played during Andy Reid's tenure as head coach. And the reason why I think so is because right now the Raiders have a chance to change their fortunes in a way that they have not been able to do so in such a long time. The Raiders have been a team that has struggled to stay consistently good for a long time now. They are usually a team that is... They're either terrible or they're middling. And they're a team that has, they've had talent, but they've never been able to put it together. Like we can all look at Derek Carr as a quarterback and say that Derek Carr as a quarterback is someone that is good, but he's not in that top tier category. You know, I know that, you know, Keyshawn Johnson tried to make a case. He wasn't convinced by his argument, but he tried to make a case earlier this year that Derek Carr is, is somehow elite. And, and we know that that's not true. And David Carr, his older brother is the best big brother in the world. And he'll lie about Derek Carr and the Raiders all the time. And every year he'll say that Derek Carr is the best quarterback in the NFL and all that mess. Cause you know, you know, uh, He's trying to stick up for his little brother, and I understand that. But the Raiders have been a, a team. It, it's basically been uh, for the last almost 20 years now. It's been, uh, you know, the sky is blue, the grass is green, the Raiders lost. That's what the narrative has been about this team for almost two decades. They've been terrible. This is a franchise that probably made the worst draft pick of all time when they took Jamarcus Russell number one overall in 06. This is a team that, 
paid that man tens of millions of dollars to eat cheeseburgers and to not actually do anything to not actually do anything when he was preparing for games. He was being given blank tapes and he was pretending like he watched plays that were supposedly on these blank tapes. This is this is a franchise that has fired coach after coach that drafted receivers high in the first round uh, simply because of their 40 time. They've been terrible for the last almost two decades now. You know, you want to talk about teams being broken after losing a Super Bowl. The Raiders have been that since they lost to the Buccaneers in 02. They've been a broken team. This is easily probably their most important game that they've played since that Super Bowl. And the reason why is because they have a chance to change everything. People don't really buy into the Raiders. I know that you've heard some people here on 610. I know CDOT has said it, uh, that, you know, they've tried to hype the Raiders up. Heard it all the time. Last year, Dan Orlovsky tried to hype them up. And, uh, you know, they had beaten the Chiefs. They took a victory lap around Arrowhead because it was the most meaningful win that they had had in a long time. And they had a chance to go out there and prove it in the second game that they played against the Chiefs last year in Vegas. And the Chiefs beat them late. Travis Kelsey touchdown from Mahomes. And that basically started the downfall. They crumbled after that. The Chiefs have a chance to put this team down again when they're on the cusp of getting some confidence. Because if the Raiders win, the Raiders now all of a sudden are feeling themselves, even more so than they did when they beat the Chiefs at Arrowhead. Because when they beat the Chiefs at Arrowhead, the Chiefs were undefeated and the Chiefs were, were hot coming off of their Super Bowl victory. But now the Chiefs look vulnerable to a lot of people. If the Raiders beat the Chiefs tonight, now the Raiders are going to be talked about as a major contender. They're going to be talked about as a team that could win the Super Bowl, something that has not been the case for almost two decades. We've not looked at them. Even when they made the playoffs a few years ago, Derek Carr broke his leg, and that was basically the end of it for the Raiders. I think they won 12 games that year, and they lost their first playoff game. So the Raiders have a chance to show that they are a real championship contender, and they're going to be motivated to go out there and prove that. Meanwhile, the Chiefs are in a different position. The Chiefs are in a position where they have been great. They've played in the last three. They've hosted the last three conference championship games. They've been to the last two Super Bowls. And now people are trying to heap dirt on the Chiefs. They're trying to bury them. This matchup matters so much to the Chiefs because if they lose it, now there is some real doubt about whether they're even going to win their division. Something that really hasn't even been a question the last few years. This year, when we were predicting uh, the Chiefs hopes of getting into the playoffs, it was never a question of, are they going to win the division or not? It was a question of, are they going to be the one seed again? Are they going to be the top team, the class of the conference? A win tonight helps them keep that narrative alive of not only winning the division, but being a potential class of the conference team. Should they lose, though? Well, now things change. 
Now you've got people that are trying to dig faster, trying to heap more dirt on the Chiefs. Doesn't mean the Chiefs' playoff chances are done, but you will hear a lot of people saying they're done. First take, you're going to hear somebody on first take saying the Chiefs are, are done. They're finished. They're not making the playoffs. People have been saying it for a while now. The Titans game was really, really bad for them, reputation-wise. There is a very, there is very meaningful, uh, there's, very me- there, there's a very large amount of meaning to a victory for the Chiefs in terms of being able to keep their reputation as being the class of the conference alive just a little bit. But also, and I, I think I, I speak for a lot of Chiefs fans, a loss tonight hurts us because of who it, who it would be too. We hate the Raiders. I mean, some, some people in the Chiefs kingdom hate the Broncos a little more, but losing to the Raiders, it, it really hurts a lot. Losing to the Raiders and losing to a good Raiders team hurts even more because we don't want that team to be successful. Like, I think if the Chargers are successful, we don't like it, but we don't really hate the Chargers. Maybe some of y'all do. I I know I personally don't hate the Chargers. I don't want to see them succeed, but there's nothing angry. There's nothing, uh, there's nothing, there's no ill will towards the Chargers from, uh, uh, a macro level from a, from a, from a macro level. I don't, I don't hate the chargers. I don't want to see him win, but I, there's no disdain towards them. And yeah, I don't like the Broncos, but if the Broncos aren't good, that there's not as much hatred towards the Broncos, but the Raiders, there's an irrational hatred towards them and their fans. Cause their fans are terrible. Their fans are horrendous. There's so many Raiders fans here in Kansas city. It's, it's ridiculous. And Today, you're probably driving around in your car and you've probably seen some dude or, or chick running around. They've got Raiders flags in, uh, uh, you know, on the outside of their vehicle uh, or they, they're walking around in their Raiders jersey or hoodie and they got this smug look on their face because that's how Raiders fans are. They're incredibly smug and they think they're better than everyone even though the organization has been in the toilet for the last almost two decades now. There's a lot of that in that fandom. And as a Chiefs fan, you sure as hell don't want to lose to that team. You hate it. You hate seeing that smugness be rewarded. And it's even worse when they're good. And right now, this Raiders team is pretty good. Are they a contender? Who knows? We don't know. We'll find out tonight. Because if they beat the Chiefs tonight, all of a sudden they become a contender in the eyes of a lot of people. And it's hard to deny that. And so that's why it's very important that the Chiefs get that win tonight. There's a lot to lose for the Chiefs if they lose tonight, but there's a ton more to be gained from the Raiders if they beat the Chiefs tonight. The Raiders could gain a lot, and this would be easily the most meaningful game for them in a long time. And Andy Reid, he's had a reputation for being a coach that has dominated his division, especially in Kansas city. He's dominated the AFC West great record against the AFC West, especially the last few years with Patrick Mahomes. Patrick Mahomes has only lost three games in the division his entire time here, three games, once to the Raiders, twice to the chargers. That's it. That narrative would be hurt. Should they lose this game tonight? So there will be pressure in this game for, for the chiefs. There will be pressure for, uh, for Andy Reid to make sure that he guides this team 
And there's going to be pressure on that defense to face off against that offense that they struggled against last year. This is going to be a very big matchup. If you're NBC, you're happy that these two teams are in this position because you know that this is going to be a hotly contested divisional uh, matchup between two teams, two fan bases that have hated each other for many decades. Coming up next, I tell you why John Gruden with his lawsuit could both win and lose. You're listening to Bink Sunday on your official broadcast partner of the Kansas City Chiefs, 610 Sports Radio. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. Back in here on Bink Sunday. Kristen O'Sara, Grant Nicholson. So I want to talk about this John Gruden situation. Came out on Friday that former Raiders head coach John Gruden is going to sue Roger Goodell and the NFL because uh, he has claimed that the NFL unfairly targeted him with a selective leak of documents of the, of his emails towards uh, former Washington football team, general manager, Bruce Allen, where he was found saying racist, sexist, homophobic things and subsequently lost his job with the Raiders earlier this year. And so he is trying to, um, claim that the NFL specifically targeted him and ruined his potential for earning money in this medium and getting a job. And, and look, I actually agree with his accusations of the NFL. I do think that the NFL selectively leaked his emails in order to damage him. I mean, let's be honest here. It's not like Roger Goodell. This is not like the first time that Roger Goodell has has made it a vendetta against certain people that he does not like. Um, he tried his best, fought tooth and nail to damage Brady's reputation during the Deflate, Deflate Gate scandal. He tried his best, and he did eventually ended up end up winning. Tom Brady did eventually have to serve that four-game suspension for Deflategate. And then Roger Goodell had to take a big L because later that season, he had to hand the, the trophy over to Tom Brady and Bill Belichick as they celebrated their comeback victory over the Falcons in the Super Bowl. That had to hurt, and it was tough. And he made an enemy out of uh, James Harrison because J- he was punishing James Harrison and other defensive players for their hits on players as he attempted to enforce the new player safety rules that they had passed in the late 2000s. 
So I'm not at all going to doubt that he is not above attempting to enact some retribution on a coach that said some pretty bad things about him. Because frankly, a lot of people have been saying a lot of bad things about him. And I guarantee you that stuff hurts. I mean, he's probably gotten used to it now, but I guarantee you when, when fans started booing him at the draft, it probably hurt Roger Goodell in the fields. It, it definitely had to hurt him getting booed like that by so many people live in person. He definitely uh, had to steal himself and toughen himself up to that. He, he now plays it up and he's like, hey, boo me. This is cool because I'm still getting paid. But early on in his career, it was certainly something that I guarantee he did not like. And he still has that vindictive side to him. And I guarantee you, I'm willing to bet that he was like, hey, we're going to selectively leak this stuff out. Uh, Gruden don't know who he messed with. Let's get this SOB. And so it, I'm, I very, very much believe that what Gruden is accusing is plausible. But it isn't going to have the desired effect that, he, that Gruden would like as far as his lawsuit goes. And this is where he's going to take the L. Because at the end of the day, there really isn't much that he can claim that would, that would uh, ultimately result in him being able to come out on top in this situation. There was no uh, hacking happening. There was nothing illegal that happened. There was nothing that you could say that they didn't twist his words and, and make it seem as if he said something he didn't say. He said those things. He admitted he said those things, which is the reason why he was let go. And the fact that he did say those things means that at the end of the day, there's nothing that he can do to salvage his reputation. He's always going to be viewed as the racist, sexist, homophobic coach, former coach. There's going to be no more fired football coaches association uh, segments on Sports Center or on Sunday NFL countdown on ESPN. Like you're not going to get that anymore. He's done with football. I mean, unless he starts like a YouTube channel and he opens a Patreon and starts charging people for, uh, you know, $5 a month for extra segments or something. He's done in football. He's never going to work in this game again. He'll never be a coach. He'll never be a consultant, a uh, general manager, nothing. No, I mean, what media organization is going to pick up John Gruden now? Done. So at the end of the day, there's no victory for him. He's probably not going to win this lawsuit because, again, there's nothing. They can selectively leak all they want, but he said what he said. And at the end of the day, that's all that matters. So he's going to take his L in this situation. But where he could win is with the fact that this lawsuit could lead to more emails being released, being forced out. And that could be really bad for the NFL. And the reason why is because there's a lot of people that believe that there are even more damaging emails in regards to Washington football team owner Dan Snyder. Snyder, not very well liked in NFL circles uh, or, you know, really amongst fans. I mean, nobody really likes that guy. He's, I mean, if you've read the stories about him as an owner over the years, Snyder is someone that is almost universally hated, but NFL owners want to protect their own. 
And so that's the reason why the league is trying their best not to, to publish these emails, not to have these emails come out. They tried their best after that situation. People were calling for it after uh, the Gruden emails were released. And the NFL came out and said, yeah, we're not going to release the rest of these emails because we want to, quote unquote, protect the anonymity of uh, the victims. And then lawyers for the victims were like, yeah, no, we actually want this stuff to be released. We want people to know exactly what happened. And the NFL was just like, no, we're not doing that, fam. This could basically force the NFL to have to release that stuff. And if we are getting this stuff released and it turns out that there is stuff that's just as bad as what Gruden put out there, in regards to Snyder, we could see a Donald Sterling situation in the uh, in the NFL. We could see a situation where the league is going to have to try and force Dan Snyder out. That's not what they want to do. They don't want that controversy. The NFL has tried their best to sidestep controversy. They've never had a steroid situation happen because they really have they, they really have done their best to try and make sure that if there's anybody using PEDs, that they are staying out of the limelight, staying out. I mean, we're going to test you during these time periods, and that's it. They don't want anything. I guarantee you that there are probably a lot of people who've tested positive that the NFL's kind of swept under the rug. They've had issues they've swept under the rug because they don't want that to become an issue. The NFL is very much uh, controversy avoidant. And they've tried their best to sidestep every controversy that they've had. I, I, I feel like the NFL has done their best to hide a lot of things that could be bad and could damage the league's reputation. And I feel like this is another one. I feel like they do not want Snyder to be a, uh, a distraction for the league and someone that could damage their reputation. So that's why they don't want to release these emails. And if they end up being forced to have to do that, that could basically lead to uh, a very terrible time for these owners and for the league because it'll look like they attempted to hide everything. And an attempt to hide is just as bad, if not worse, than the actual crime itself. And it's going to be a big problem for Roger Goodell. And John Gruden could actually get the last laugh in this situation if it turns out that these emails end up having to be revealed and it turns out that there is some damning evidence against Snyder. The league doesn't want that. And that's the reason why I I think that this could be really bad for the league. And the league is, you know, they're using strong language. We're going to defend this vigorously and all that mess. But they got to be a little worried about this lawsuit, even if it means that they're probably, I mean, they're not, I don't think they're going to lose. You know, I don't, I don't think Gruden has anything, but if more of these things get released, more of these emails come out and it turns out that there's more terrible things that Snyder and people around him have done, it could end up damaging the league's reputation for the appearance of attempting to hide it. Coming up next, I tell you the one thing I'm probably most concerned about with tonight's Chiefs Raiders game. You're listening to Bink Sunday on your official broadcast partner of the Kansas City Chiefs, 610 Sports Radio.
We're almost at halftime here on Bink Sunday. 610 Sports Radio, 610sports.com. The radio, Odyssey, the Odyssey app. If you want to weigh in, phone line, Jay Southland, Total Service text line, 913-576-7610. There is one thing I'm really concerned about with tonight's game between the Chiefs and Raiders. And it's the fact that it's very likely that they're right tackles, that, that they've got injuries at their right tackle spot with Lucas Niang, Mike Rimmers. And so we could very well be looking at Andrew Wiley starting at right tackle for the Kansas City Chiefs tonight against the Raiders. That scares the hell out of me. If you ever, if you listened to me last year when I was talking about later late in the season, talking about this Chiefs offensive line, I was worried. After that Saints game, I was on uh, after the Saints game last year in New Orleans. And man, Andrew Wiley scared the hell out of me at right tackle. He scared the mess out of me because he was getting murdered in that game. He was going to get uh, a Cam Jordan and was getting his lunch eaten. If not for him pissing Cam off enough to where Cam threw a fist at him and got tossed from the game. He might've gotten Mahomes killed like him. And uh, I can't remember the other guy's name was coming off the other, the other side towards Fisher, who was Henderson. I think his name was Henderson and he was eating Eric Fisher. No, it, it was Mike Rimmer's lunch. Cause fish was hurt in that game. So it was Rimmer's playing on at left Wiley at right. And both of those guys were getting murdered. They were just getting slaughtered by the, by the saints pass rush. I mean, I was legitimately worried. Mahomes was having to roll out of the pocket almost every play. Because he did not have enough time. Or he had to step up and hope that the interior uh, pass rush wasn't very good. It was very concerning. And now you're kind of in a similar situation with the injuries to, to Rimmers and Niang. I'm a little bit worried about that matchup. Because the Raiders pass rush has been pretty good this year. Max Crosby, pretty good this year. He's got five sacks already. You know, what happens if they are, I mean, and they hit the quarterback a lot. I think it's like, what, 22% of the time that they uh, they send a pass rush, they're, they're able to hit the quarterback. I mean, they are hitting the quarterback a lot, pressuring the quarterback a lot. Um, it's That's something that does kind of concern me because I very much believe that Mahomes does not trust his pass, his pass, uh, his pass blocking. I don't really think he trusts his offensive line very much, which is one of the reasons why I think he, he's kind of gotten happy feet and been a, little, been a little antsy in the pocket. You know, you, normally Mahomes is very poised. He knows when to step up. He knows when to, to roll out of the pocket and buy some time. This year, though, it's been different. There's been times where you can look at him and he's not comfortable. I, I honestly think if there's anything that has damaged Mahomes the most from that Super Bowl loss – it has been his confidence in his line. Um, you know, there were videos that we saw in the offseason where Mahomes is basically practicing running for his life from pass rushers. And he's generally effect- effective at being able to do that. But it's hard to be effective as a scrambler when 
you basically just assume that the pass rush is going to get there before it actually does. You know, if you remember when Alex Smith was the starting quarterback for the Chiefs, Alex Smith had a major problem in the pocket where he would bail on good pockets because his first read wasn't there or he would immediately check down instead of going through through the rest of his progressions or he'd just panic and run and he'd walk into sacks. That was one of the biggest problems with Alex Smith as the starting quarterback because he had awful pocket presence because he never trusted his offensive line. And sometimes it was warranted. Sometimes it was absolutely correct for him to not trust his O-line, but there were a lot of times where it wasn't. And his O-line was playing just fine, and he was panicking just because he had ghosts in his head from past years where he did have bad offensive lines. It kind of seems like that with Mahomes. If there's any number one reason why I believe Mahomes has struggled this year, I believe it's probably because... He has issues trusting his offensive line because he's not used – because of he's, he had such a traumatic experience in that Super Bowl that he doesn't know if he can trust them to go out there and do their job. I mean, that had to be incredibly frustrating to play in that Super Bowl and have to run for your life the entire game because you had backup guards playing at your starting tackle position. And now it seems like this week they could have a backup guard playing the right tackle spot. And that could be very disastrous for the Chiefs if Crosby's the one that's going up against Wiley. Because Wiley hasn't really shown that he can he can block very well on the edge. So that to me is probably the most concerning aspect of tonight's game. If Crosby is able to line up against Wiley and eat his lunch like we've seen what happened to Wiley in previous games at that position. Well, now uh, a Chiefs victory is going to be much, much more difficult for the them to be able to attain. Coming up next, I tell you why the Chiefs aren't in the dire straits that some people are making them out to be. You're listening to Bink Sunday on your official broadcast partner of the Kansas City Chiefs, 610 Sports Radio. Hey everyone, Boomer Esiason here. The NFL Draft is behind us and your favorite team is now gearing up for week number one. The free Odyssey app puts you right in the middle of the pro football conversation with the biggest sports radio stations from across the country. The local voices who know your team the best, giving you their unfiltered takes on the current state of your squad. It's always football season right here on the free Odyssey app. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law.